Hello, welcome to the self-learning podcast by Dr. Shishma Singh. Let us start discussion on chapter 5, Doing Sociology Research Methods. And our topic is surveys. Survey is probably the best non-sociological method. One that is known now so much a part of modern public life that it has become commonplace. Today it is used all over the world in all sorts of contexts, going well beyond the concerns of sociology alone. In India too, we have seen the increasing use of surveys for various non-academic purposes, including the prediction of election results, devising of marketing strategies for selling products and for eliciting popular opinions on a wide variety of subjects. As the world itself suggests, a survey is an attempt to provide an overview. It is a comprehensive or wide-ranging perspective on some subject based on information obtained from a careful chosen representative set of people. Such people are usually referred to as respondents. They respond to the questions asked by them, by the researchers. Survey research is usually done by large teams consisting of those who plan and design the study and their associates and assistants. The survey questions may be asked and answered in various forms. Often they are asked orally during personal visits by the investigator and sometimes through telephone conversations. Responses may also be sought in writing to questionnaires brought by investigators or sent through the post. Finally, with the increasing presence of computers and telecommunication technology, these days it is also possible for surveys to be conducted electronically. In this format, the respondent receives and responds to the question by email, the internet or similar electronic medium. The survey's main advantage as a social scientific method is that it allows us to generalize results for a large population while actually studying only a small portion of this population. Thus, a survey makes it possible to study large populations with a manageable investment of time, efforts and money. That is why it is such a popular method in the social sciences and other fields. The sample survey is able to provide a generalizable result despite being selective by taking advantage of the discoveries of a branch of statistics called sampling theory. The key element enabling this shortcut is the representativeness of the sample. How do we go about selecting a representative sample from a given phenom population? 
Broadly speaking, the sample selection process depends on two main principles. The first principle is that all the relevant subgroups in the population should be recognized and represented in the sample. Most large populations are not homogeneous. They belong to the distinct subcategories. This is called stratification. Note that this is a statistical notion of stratification which is different from the sociological concept of stratification that you have studied in chapter 4. For example, when considering the population of India, we must take in account of the fact that this population is divided into rural and urban sectors which are very different from each other. When considering the rural population of any one state, we have to allow for the fact that this population lives in villages of different sizes. In the same way, the population of a single village may be stratified by class, caste, gender, age, religion or other criteria. In short, the notion of stratification tells us that the representativeness of a sample depends on its being able to reflect the characteristics of all the relevant strata in a given population. Which kinds of strata are considered relevant depends on the specific objectives of the research study. For example, when doing research on attitudes towards religion, it would be important to include members of all the religions. When researching attitudes towards trade unions, it would be important to consider workers, managers and industrialists and so on. The second principle of sample selection is that the actual unit, that is the person or village or household should be based purely on chance. This is referred to as randomization, which itself depends on the concept of probability. You may have come across the idea of probability in mathematics course. Probability refers to the chance of an event happening. For example, when we toss a coin, it up or the tail side up. With numerous number, normal coins, the chance or probability of heads or tails appearing on exactly the same, that is 50% each. Which of the two events actually happens when we toss the coin that is whether it comes up heads or tails depends purely on the chance and nothing else events like these are called random events we use the same idea in selecting the sample we try to ensure that the actual person or household or village chosen to be part of the sample is chosen purely on chance and nothing else. 
thus being chosen in the sample is a matter of luck like winning a lottery it is only if this is true that the sample will be representative sample if a survey team chooses only villages that are nearer the main highway in their sample then the sample is not a random or chance sample but a biased one similarly if we choose mostly middle class households or households that we know then the sample is again likely to be biased the point is that after the relevant strata in a population are identified the actual choosing of sample households or respondents should be a matter of pure chance this can be ensured in various ways different techniques are used to achieve this the common ones being drawing of lots rolling of dice the use of random number tables especially produced in this purpose and more recently random numbers generated by calculators or computers to understand how a survey sample is actually selected let us take a concrete example suppose we wish to examine the hypothesis that living in smaller and more intimate communities produces greater intercommunity harmony than living in larger more impersonal communities for the sake of simplicity let us suppose we are interested only in rural sector of a single state in india the simplest possible sample selection possible would begin with a list of all villages in a state along with their population such a list could be obtained from the census data then we would decide on the criteria for defining smaller and large villages from the original list of villages we know eliminate all the medium villages that is those that are neither small nor big now we have a revised list stratified by size of village given our research question we want to give equal weightages to each of the strata that is small and big villages so we decide to select 10 villages from each to do this we number the list of small and big villages and randomly select 10 members from each list by drawing lots we now have our sample consisting of 10 big and 10 small villages from the state and we can proceed to study those villages to see if our initial hypothesis was true or false of course this is an extremely simple design actually research studies usually involve more complicated designs with the sample selection process being divided into many stages and incorporating many strata but the basic principles remain the same a small sample is carefully selected such that it is able to represent and stand for the entire population 
then the sample is studied and the results obtained for it are generalized to the entire population. The statistical properties of a scientifically selected sample ensure that the characteristics of the sample will closely resemble the characteristics of the population it is drawn from. There may be small differences, but the chance of such deviations occur can be specified. This is known as the margin of error or sampling error. It arises not due to any mistakes made by researchers, but because we are using a small sample to study for a large population. When reporting the results of sample surveys, researchers must specify the size and design of their sample and the margin of error. The main strength of the survey method is that it is able to provide a broad overview representative of a large population with relatively small outlays of time and money. The bigger the sample for more chance it has of being truly representative. The extreme case here is that of the census which includes the entire population. In practice sample sizes may vary from 30 to 40 to many thousands. It not only the size of the sample that matters its mode of selection is even more important. Of course, decisions on sample selection can often be based on practical considerations. In situations where a census is not feasible, the survey becomes the only available means of studying the population as a whole. The unique advantage of survey is that it provides an aggregated picture that is a picture based on a collectivity rather than on single individuals taken separately. Many social problems and issues become visible only at this aggregative level. They cannot be identified at the more micro levels of investigation. However, like all research methods, survey also has its disadvantages. Although it offers the possibility of wide coverage, this is at the cost of depth of coverage. It is usually not possible to get in-depth information from respondents as part of a large survey because of the larger member of respondents, the time spent on each must be limited. Moreover, since the survey questionnaire is being taken around to respondents by a relatively large number of investigators, it becomes difficult to ensure that complicated questions or those requiring detailed prompting will be asked of all respondents in exactly the same way. Differences in the way questions are asked or answers recorded could be introduced errors into the survey.
that is why the questionnaire for a survey B has to be designed very carefully since it will be handled by persons other than the researcher themselves. There is little chance of corrections or modifications in the course of its use. Given that there is no long term relationship between the investigator and respondent and hence no familiarity on trust, questions that can be asked in the survey have to be of kind that can be asked and answered between strangers. Questions of a personal or sensitive kind cannot be asked or if asked are likely to be answered safely rather than trust truthfully. These kinds of problems are sometimes referred to as non-sampling errors. That is error due to not to the sampling process but on faults or shortcomings of the research design or manner in which it was implemented. Unfortunately, some of these errors are difficult to foresee and guard against so that it is possible for surveys to go wrong and produce misleading or false estimates of the characteristics of a population. Ultimately, the most important limitation of survey is that in order to be successful, it must depend on a tightly structured inflexible questionnaire. Moreover, however well designed the questionnaire might be, its sources depend so finely on the nature of the interactions between the investigator and respondents and especially on the goodwill and cooperation of the later. Now let us wind up the session and thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcast.